Wednesday, Chuck and Tony Show. It's the awesome Chuck and Tony Show. Wednesday, Chuck and Tony Show. It's called Afternoon Gap. Is that right? Wednesday, Chuck and Tony Show. It's the awesome Chuck and Tony Show. Wednesday, Chuck and Tony Show. It's called Afternoon Gap. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to Afternoon Yap. I'm Chuck the Punk, and with me today is my co-host and author of the book, There's a Time and a Place for Drugs, and it's called How About Right Now? It's my good pal, Kyle. Kyle, what's up? This is our first Afternoon Yap on the road. I'm in sunny Virginia. It's beautiful here. It's great to see you. I am so excited to be doing the 42nd episode of Afternoon Yap on the road with a guy that has played video games in 2017. How's it going, man? It's going real well, bud. How's it going? Oh man, I am so I'm so pumped. We have such a great episode today. On today's episode, we're going to cover the news of the week, uh, the Bioshock trilogy, and finally a review of the new Bungie game, Destiny Two. Um, very excited about this episode. But first and foremost, we are not in Columbus today. We are actually in Lynchburg, Virginia. Sunny Lynchburg. Sunny, Virginia. hot, warm Lynchburg, Virginia. I was on my way down here. And I was coming up with the script, and I want to know, how long you have been in Virginia now? Uh, five years. Five years. Would you consider yourself uh, pretty uh, knowledgeable of the state at this point? Uh, not so much the state. I, I got a good knowledge on Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, uh, small trivia here. Did you know that Lynchburg, Virginia is the birthplace of Jesus Christ? <laughs> no. How's that true? It's, it's amazing, but it's actually true. Is it on a is it on a sign or like yeah, how did you just, learn this information? Uh, the school Liberty University uh, is is based here, and there's there's a lot of belief that you know that he came from here. No, it's not. It's, <laughs> it, totally joking. Totally joking. Well, National Virginia Day was actually actually Thursday, September fourteenth. So I guess all across the country, people were celebrating Virginia two days ago, and I want to know. I want to test your knowledge of the great state of Virginia. Oh, so God, I'm going to give you a, a quick quiz. We'll see how well you do. All right. Number one, what is Virginia Tech's mascot? Is it the Wildcats? The Eagles? The Hokies. Next question. The Hokies? It's a the turkey. The Bears? Or the indentured servants? It's the Hokies. It's a turkey. Next question. What is a, what is a Hokie? I, I don't know how the hokey equates to a turkey, but like they do the hokey pokey in between the third and fourth quarter. She's okie dokie. Yeah, she's okie jokey. <laughs> so, so it's okies. Uh, it, the funny thing about this quiz, I don't have any answers for it. So oh, we, we, we can give you pretty much uh, whatever, uh, whatever high score that you want. What is Virginia's state bird? Is it the robin, the cardinal, the blue jay, the pigeon, the woodpecker, or the dick pecker? God, I don't even know. We'll go with the Robin. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. Like I said, I don't have the answers in front of me, and yeah, I'm not sure, even sure, sure what the is. bird is. <laughs> so you are absolutely correct. What? Virginia is number one in this category. Divorces? Now, there was a big sign as I was driving into the state, that a big sign that said Virginia is number one in this category. Virginia is number one in this category. Divorces, drug overdoses, college graduates, John Denver lookalikes or hot college girls? Oh man, uh, I'm gonna go with John Denver lookalikes. No drug right. overdoses. Oh, no. There's a oh, huge no. sign. There's a sign that says that. Yeah. Why would you advertise that? I don't know. I think that they want to keep you in the know about the good state oh, of Virginia. God, John Denver that's lookalikes. That's something to take pride in. What rapper is Virginia? You like Eminem? You like rap? You like hip hop? Uh, <laughs> Skills, 
with a Z, Biggie Smalls, Young Jeezy, Jay Z, or Slim Schnauzer. With Young Jeezy. Ooh, no skills. No. Oh no, that guy's got the skills to pay the bills because he's skills. I'm out of the rap game, man. Neither I'm am I. I'm out of that rap game. Finish the slogan. Virginia is for hustlers, country boys, lovers, millionaires, or progressiveness. <laughs> Thank God I got one chuckle out of this. Yeah, it is. It is certainly not progressiveness. Uh, it's it's lovers. I mean, what else are you gonna do? It is for the lovers. And what else are you gonna do? Virginia is a state, a commonwealth, a district, a confederacy, or just a bad idea altogether. It's a commonwealth. What the hell is the commonwealth? It's well, it's also a state too, so that technically would have been correct. It's it's a collective body of like government, I believe, or something like that. I, it's I don't know fancy no. name for a, a, a region. Always learning something new. Yeah, Which state borders exactly. Virginia? West Virginia, Kentucky, South Carolina, the state of boredom. West Virginia. Correct. Ding ding ding. What is the head football coach's name for Virginia Tech? Is it Justin Fuente, Phil Sims, Bud Foster? Or Sam Blackchurch. It's Mr. Justin Fuente. Ding, ding, ding. He just changed in 2015, didn't he? Yeah, he's a recent hire. Is he a good man? He is a good man. He's a good football coach. Uh, I, I, I took this quiz offline, and literally the coach that they had was wrong because this guy changed over in 2015. Yeah, and he's so only I had... coached one full year so far. <laughs> so. Uh, what is the state flower? The flowering dogwood. Rose. Carnation. Or the rising pantwood. Yeah. Uh, let me let me hear those choices again one more what time. What is the state flower? The flowering dogwood, rose, carnation, or the rising pantwood? We'll try the rose. Ooh, no, no, no. Oh. It is the flowering dogwood. Yeah. That sounds like a tree. What is Virginia's nickname? The Old Dominion? The Pickle of the South? The Mountain State? Or the Just Leave It state. The Old Dominion. That is absolutely correct. Now that we have gotten through your knowledge of on, Virginia, important things. we can get on to video games. And I'm right. so excited to talk. Here. So excited to talk about video games with you. There was a new Nintendo Direct today. And isn't it exciting to be watching a Nintendo Direct or just anything from Nintendo when it's good news? You know, it's not... It's not a 45-minute buzz reel on a Zelda that's coming out five years from now. You know, it's thrilling. not it's not, it's not, not ten um, Pokemon games that are coming out on only the 3DS. Like, there was so much good news that came out this weekend, or this week, for Nintendo Switch owners like you and I. I mean, there were some really good announcements for the 3DS, too, but it was exciting. They, they, they keep everything under wraps, and Nintendo gives us this little chunks of information via these Nintendo Directs, via these, I think they call them tree houses or something like that. And this week they had a ton of good announcements and they are littered throughout the news tonight. Yeah, um, style and substance. I mean, yeah. News. Um, according to results published by the NPD group, Nintendo Switch once again came out on top of console sales in the U.S. Switch has been the top console in four of the six months of its availability. The top-selling game for August 2017 was Madden NFL 18, followed by Grand Theft Auto V, still 
the game that seemingly cannot be stopped when it comes to generating revenue for take two interactive how surprising it is is it that i just as being a wii u owner it's it's refreshing and exciting that the the switch is kind of like a phenomena at this point or at least they're selling them as fast as they can make them that's the the real problem is they can't manufacture them quick enough to get them into people's hands so that's that's kind of the constraint so they could be selling more do you think so because i i don't know what it's like in the market here but are you often in walmarts or are you often in targets never never actually checking in person but i just know a lot from what i read online is that a lot of people are still looking and unable to find one when they want one so there's there's still that that backlog of people that are hoping to purchase but just haven't had the opportunity to do so are they on sale on amazon uh, occasionally and it, yeah. it seems as soon as you know the post goes up that like hey stock is available on amazon it's available on best buy walmart whatever you know whatever website you name whenever whenever the stock's available it's gone within a few hours i mean just what an interesting thing that so the, the what the system launched back in march we got zelda right off the bat a couple months later we got mario kart and slowly and steadily, we kept on getting these really good um, uh, indie games. And now, like, some of the big releases are actually coming. And not only are these big releases coming, but they've been under wraps. I thought Mario Rabbids, which we talked about last week, which you have – have you played through the whole thing? Not the entirety of it, but I'm, I'm about 90% of the way through. What a shot in the arm. How the hell did Ubisoft do that? How the hell did they keep something like that under wraps that is a Nintendo game? I I saw that, and I was like, well, it looks interesting. But a lot of the times these companies, especially Ubisoft um, and EA, they want to just put a Nintendo property in one of their games, and the result isn't all that good. The game is outstanding. It it really was. It was just delightful through its entirety it was it was pretty special so how do you keep something like that under wraps and so well technically they didn't it yeah leaked, it leaked before the e3 reveal so I, I think that the exciting thing that i'm thinking of is that the wii u was such a disaster and i'm still kind of in that wii u hole where i knew what games were coming out i looked forward to those games coming out and yes they got good scores but when games are only coming out once every six months, once every eight months, sure, I'm going to rant and rave over the new Donkey Kong, and I'm going to say, you need to get a Wii U to my friends because the new Donkey Kong is good. And then you're like, well, what else are you supposed to play after that? And you're like, oh, don't worry. A year from now, they're going to have a new Mario. But there's so much good stuff on the horizon coming out for the Nintendo Switch, especially um, the new Mario game. Yeah, I think the, the real sign of life and uh, the real positive takeaway from that uh, Nintendo Direct recently was there's some solid third party support coming up. Um, Bethesda announced that Doom is going to be released on the Switch, which is just kind of amazing to even think of. But then the new Wolfenstein, which won't be day and date with the other consoles and PC release, but a few months down the line, they're going to be releasing the new Wolfenstein on the Switch, which yeah. is the, the one thing Nintendo consoles for a few generations now have sorely lacked, which is third party support of any kind. And now they seem to be getting some some very major players saying like, "Hey, we'll step up. We're gonna we're gonna support this system. We're gonna jump on board." So that's that's probably the the most positive takeaway you could you could have taken from it. Isn't it hilarious that Capcom said we're gonna base the we're gonna base our ports on how well Street Fighter did? 
Well, it is hilarious, but Capcom's pretty hilarious. So, Well, yeah, just in general. So, I mean, Capcom is – I don't know. I haven't looked at their numbers recently, but I know for the longest time they've been fledgling. Yes. So for them to put out a $40 Street Fighter game and say, hey, we don't know if we're going to support this system until we see the success of Street Fighter. They put out Street Fighter. People had switches in their hands. They wanted Street Fighter on the go so that the game sold really well, and they're like, hey, we take everything back that we said. Yep. You know, we are going to bury you. In Resident Evil ports, we're gonna bury you exactly. in every single Capcom property. You know, Street Fighter Ultra, Street Fighter Super Ultra, Street Fighter Turbo Nerds. You know, like just everything under the sun. I really feel like they're gonna really get behind it. Uh, next, the, one of the um, so we're gonna go through some of the games that they announced in the Nintendo Switch. Um, and I'm curious. We have not talked about this. I've been with you for the last day, and I've tried to keep tight lip about all these Nintendo announcements because I want to hear what your thoughts are on them. Because I, I mean, to give you a little bit of a backstory, I'm I don't say that I'm a Nintendo fanboy, but I'm pretty bad. Like I'm pretty bad. I've got amiibos. I don't got a shitload of amiibo amiibos, but I got some. Um, you know, I think I've had every single Nintendo system that you can count: Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Game Boy, uh, Wii U, Wii, Nintendo Switch. Uh, you are a Nintendo fan. You have a Switch in your hand. All that you want to play is Mario, and you can't yet because yep. you can't play it because there is no virtual console yet. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 finally has a release date. They we've been we've been hearing about it, and when I was watching the trailer, I was like, oh man, are they porting Xenoblade? Xenoblade, Xenoblade Chronicles from the Wii U. Are they just porting it? No. And I watched the trailer. It's coming to Nintendo Switch in the West on December 1st, so only in a couple months. Did you see the trailer for this game? I did not. Oh, come on! I am am unaware of any Xenoblade activity. It looks like a huge 100-hour RPG, and the thing that's crazy about this is it looks absolutely beautiful. It looks like, but it is it is a huge almost type of MOBA RPG. I bought Xenoblade. No, I got it for Christmas. I asked my wife for it, and she bought it for me. And I played about seven hours of it, and I just fundamentally it never clicked. And like I would I would go past where I was supposed to be going, and enemies would kill me, and just it was it's very JRPG. Do you mean it, MOBA or MMO? MMO. Yes. I am sorry, MMO. And but the new. So this one looks better graphics, uh, bigger story, bigger adventure, and it's been under wraps, and it's coming out December 1st. And what's amazing about this is it just – I think the last one only came out uh, – well, it would have been two years ago at this point. But it looks really, really good. It looks like a huge adventure. And that's what I'm getting towards is I think that's why the Switch is so popular at this point is because people don't want watered-down games on the go. They want – a huge adventure on the go. They don't want, they don't want Metroid Light. You know, they don't want some of these older games that are ten-hour campaigns. They want a huge console experience on the go, and I think that's part of the reason why the Switch has been so successful. Well, is, is that yeah, how you feel? A lot of mobile gaming too these days is boiled down to like complete garbage. Like most phone applications and like even you know some 3DS type things. Like they're 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 nonsense short experiences but like people do they just want quality games like it doesn't matter um like mobile or not like they they just want to play great games but when you can tell someone like hey here's a great game and you can take it with you on the go like that's what i think people are really kind of clicking with yeah they want to they want to be able to 
to pick that up and take it with them because when you have downtime, you want to be playing games. You don't, yeah. you don't want to, you know, sit there idly doing nothing. But it's so fun, like getting older and just like a lot of the times when I look at articles on Giant Bomb or IGN or GameStop, GameSpot, the first thing that I do is I look at what the title of the article is. And the second thing I do is I go to the comments and you can always see the people that are not necessarily fanboys, but they're just I don't know what they're upset about, but Nintendo Switch, boy, people have tons of ammunition against Nintendo with the failure of the Wii U and just with the with the fact that it, the Switch is an underpowered console. Well, yeah, it's an underpowered console, but it's also a console that you can take with you that looks absolutely gorgeous in your hand. So yeah, the, that's something the that they the fundamentally are missing. Fantastic. And uh, fanboy going to fanboy, so there's nothing you can do about that. <laughs> Uh, the next announcement, Square Enix gave more details on its intriguing upcoming exclusive Nintendo Switch RPG Project Octopath Traveler. A demo for the game is available right now in the eShop. Did you see that trailer? I watched the trailer. I haven't tried the demo yet, but it, it's it's got some very funky style going on there. The the isometric like 2D, 3D kind of thing going on, it, it looks very intriguing. I was immediately sold. That art style is absolutely beautiful. What were they calling it? Like 2D HD classic or something? So there's very much uh, sprite-based characters, but then beautiful backgrounds uh, against like that isometric. It looks, yeah. it looks great. And it's coming exclusively to the Switch, too. So, yeah. you know, um, Squaresoft has been doing this for the longest time. They've been giving us tons of throwback titles to their glory days of the 16-bit era but this game actually that art style i can i can very much when it comes to rpgs like that i'll play through a game based on its art style like if it looks that cool and i was absolutely blown away i have not got a chance to play the demo but it looks absolutely beautiful here's three big announcements and some of them we've known and some of them we haven't known. Skyrim on Switch is coming out November 17th. Do I want to buy Skyrim again for another 60 bucks? a game that I played seven years ago? No, but it is absolutely sweet that I can play a 400-hour adventure on the go if I want to. Yeah, You've never the, played Skyrim, right? I have not. And, and you those, have no interest in playing it. For those that haven't it. played it, it's great. For those that are actually interested in it, I have no interest in playing it. I Would just, you play it on Switch if it were 10 bucks? Uh, if it were ten bucks, yeah, I'd, I'd pick it up in yeah. a heartbeat. But for sixty bucks, it, I mean, that's like, too much. It's just the the time investment is not something I'm willing to lay down. Yeah. Um, just because it that game takes fifty hours at least to complete. So I'd love I'd love that they keep on adding motion controls to these Switch games. And do they not understand? Do they know their demographic? Because I don't I don't care about that. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants that. Just give up on it. Like I have the rumble controls. Uh, that's not what makes the switch great. The, 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 it does not, it it's neat, it's okay, but it's nothing. It is nothing to write home about. I, I don't know anyone that wants to pick up and start waving Joy-Cons. Again, or that was 2006. Nobody nobody wants it. It was fun for a little while with the Wii when people could bowl and they could box and like you got a kick out of it for a minute or two, but it, it wore off so quickly. Um I I don't know anyone that wouldn't just rather sit with a controller in their hand and just kind of control things the old-fashioned way. Uh, two more Bethesda games are also coming to Switch. Doom and Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus. Doom arrives for the holidays while Wolfenstein 2 hits sometime in 2018. Now, yes, Doom 2 will be a little bit – or not, sorry, Doom. It'll still have the campaign. It'll actually have multiplayer. Don't really care about the multiplayer, but – Doom on the go sounds absolutely fantastic. It'll be a little watered down graphically. 
And then especially for Wolfenstein 2, but that's a that's a new game that's coming out what? It comes out in November. It'll be watered down a little bit graphically, but who cares? Like it'll be what the equivalent of running it on low settings on a PC like to be playing these big huge blockbuster games on the go and also to be able to plug them in you know this is this is fundamentally the good thing that is happening with Nintendo Switch is right out of the bat third party third party support is happening yeah, and it's exactly. one thing that we did not have with uh, the Wii U and which was a lot of reasons for people especially you to just Switch, you know, just skip the Wii U altogether because there's no third-party support. And now it's like this double-edged sword where not only are we getting third-party support, but we can take these games on the go. So it's going to be kind of uh, a pick-and-choose thing. Like me and you, we uh, we share games. Um, me and you have our consoles connected, and, and during the holidays, uh, I'll say, "Hey, listen, I'll get." Um, you know, I'll get the new Destiny if you get the new, you know, Call of Duty. And then we switch those games. But now there's this new thing in the fold saying, what if I want to play the new South Park on Switch? Like, big games are coming to Nintendo Switch. Can't share those games. And you want to be able to take those games on the go. Um, that would be really cool if Nintendo let us, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Well, you know what? And they're going to have to get behind this whole new wave of uh, buying games, really, too. Yeah, you know? It's going to happen eventually, but, you know, Nintendo will be dragged to that point kicking and screaming. And you know what's you know what's really interesting, and I haven't thought about it until just now, is the Nintendo Switch doesn't have the biggest hard drive on it. I think I have, like, 128 gigs. It's got a paltry hard drive on it. I think it comes with uh, 32 gigs uh natively installed on the system but then you've got to buy an sd card to expand that and All right, do um, we both have 128 I, yeah, gigs i have 128 so do gigs. i so but the nintendo games like with these larger games though like wolfenstein doom things like that i i imagine even with the lower textures and things that are going to be supplied for the switch version yeah. like you're looking at 30 gigs per yeah. game so yeah like, so four or five games and you've got your hard drive filled up so yeah like i am very much against buying physical games but for some of these games i'm definitely going to have to because i am not going to want to buy doom digitally and have it what might be what 30 gigs or so yeah, and that's like I a fifth or could, a sixth it of... could be pretty large although i think with doom and they announced this that the campaign and the multiplayer are separate so if you want to play the multiplayer you've got to download a separate launchable um so and I don't know anyone that's excited about Doom multiplayer. Yeah. Spoiler alert, yeah. you don't really so, need to play Doom multiplayer. Uh, play you the can campaign. download the campaign and probably save yourself some hard drive space. But even that campaign was was a sizable file because yeah. that's that's a pretty massive campaign. But um, it, it's, it's tough because you can go higher with the SD cards. It's just they're so expensive for a, a 200 plus gigabyte SD card. You're spending more than you spent on the console itself. So... How excited are you? Like, Doom was fantastic, but it really didn't have much of a story behind it. And then Wolfenstein was, what, a year or two before that? And it's very much – Wolfenstein, this new reboot, almost – it very much reminded me of some of the best parts of Quentin Tarantino movies where there's very much a lot of scenes in these where – do they know that you aren't a communist or a communist? Do they know that you are not a Nazi? And like the kind of there's a lot of scenes and it's 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 also still has the fun tongue in cheek of the of the 90s game and the you know, the two handed combat and it just balls to the wall. But the first one was really, really good. So, I mean, I am so excited for the sequel. I, I am upset 
put a little multiplayer in it, but then again, as I'm as I'm saying it out loud, don't put multiplayer on it if you're just tacking it on. Yeah, you know, if, you, if you've got a fantastic campaign, just stick with the fantastic campaign. Wolfen, Wolfenstein never had multiplayer. Um, maybe in some of these later relaunches and remakes, they they tack something in, but like it's never been known for that. So like, why bother? Yeah, I I say don't waste the time. Just give us that that quality campaign with like that that real fruitful narrative that they've come up with yeah um quality storytelling and like experiences and set pieces like that's that's great and that's all we need yeah like, don't tack on multiplayer to another game that doesn't necessarily need it yeah um a new mario odyssey switch bundle was revealed and includes the game a pair of red joy cons and a mario odyssey themed switch carrying case uh, Nintendo has also revealed. Is this, wait, is this a is this a bundle from GameStop or is this a bundle from Nintendo? I think it's a bundle from Nintendo. No, I just I, I'm making jokes because GameStop will bundle like twelve different things together just to get you to buy a Switch. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo also revealed the wedding themed Mario Odyssey amiibo as well as the bundle. It will be available on the same day Mario Odyssey launches, October 27th. What we're like six weeks away. And I don't have it on here, but they showed a new trailer for the new Mario Odyssey game. And I thought to myself, I don't know if I've been this excited for a Mario since Mario 64 because it looks so good. And the problem was is there were some, there were some Mario releases on Wii U, but they were uh, very much uh, Super Mario 3D World, which feels fundamentally different than the, the, the Mario 64 or the... Um, the Mario Sunshine because it was pulled back and it kind of focused more on like 2D platforming in a 3D world. Whereas I think this is the first official Mario 3D release since Mario Galaxy 2. And that was like 2008 or something like that. I, I'm not aware. I've, I've missed many of those games. But um, you're not going to miss I, this I, one. I'm, like I'm on board for this one. It looks great. Um, there's some real cool stuff going on with like, they're bringing back the old 2D platforming in certain sections and levels where you kind of fall into a, a 2D world on a wall and you have to play through it to, to get back out and continue the 3D adventure. But it just, overall, it's it's got that real Nintendo polish and shine that you kind of expect. And um, it, it's clear they're they're giving Mario the, the time and quality that it deserves. So I'm, I'm very excited for it. I don't know if you noticed this, but when I was watching the game, they showed a world map. And it looks like you can go to these different worlds and pull out. And we might be talking about huge, huge open areas for each of these separate world maps where, you know, mixed in the middle of it is tons of platforming elements. But I think we're looking at a huge world map because I think that you can actually, you know, go, go out and look at where you're at and like actually pick what missions you want to do, which is very different for them from the Mario universe. Yeah, it, it looked that way. It looks like uh, each different world is kind of like this open expanse and then you have to kind of go different directions in that expanse to get to the different stars and like platforming sections and different things available in that in that particular world um i i guess uh it, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out and how it all fits together yeah um but really need to see more of it before making any kind of definitive statements about it and and you know what's fascinating too is we, we've known about Zelda Breath of the Wild for a long time. We'd seen screenshots. We'd seen videos for years and years and years. And we didn't really know about Mario Odyssey until, what, 
a year ago, six months ago. Uh, yeah, it was like E3, wasn't it? Like when it was finally kind of shown off and some gameplay was revealed and you knew about Mario Odyssey, the title, but like when the game itself was actually shown, I feel like it was around E3. I could be wrong on that, though. But what I'm getting at is Mario or uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild was absolutely game-changing. So there's actually a good chance that this new Mario Odyssey could be Oh, just incredible like so tens across the board a chance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes yes i'm saying but it, it was just it, this game has been so tight-lipped and we've only seen a couple of trailers and and they keep on teasing us too during especially during that treehouse or that uh that director like and in the next coming months we're gonna give you even more details well the game is coming out in what six weeks from now yeah very soon so i mean it's it's a day one buy for me but um just getting more and more excited about it. Uh, Kirby's new game on Switch is called Kirby Star Allies, and the 3DS Kirby Battle Royale release date was announced as January 19, 2018. Um, why is why is Kirby still a thing? I do. Does anybody like Kirby? It's, it's one of those Nintendo properties, man. They, they it's Hal. It's not even Nintendo. Well. It's Hal. You know, like they're going back to it. He sucks in things and he blows it out. Yeah. Uh, like uh, I have no problem with some of the the platformers that they put out like uh they 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 think they want us to get all excited excited for Yoshi 3D Yoshi or 2D Yoshi they want us to get all excited for 2D um what's this game called uh Kirby but whatever i'm i saw the trailer at least they're working on it it's a new Kirby game and hey you can get it for a 3DS too Nintendo confirmed that the Daruk, Mifa, Rivali, and Urbosa amiibo will launch on November 10th. The amiibo represent the four champions in the Legend of the Zelda, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, each of whom is associated with one of the game's divine beasts. Can't stop amiibos. Can't stop Zelda. I wonder when the new Breath of the Wild DLC comes out. I would imagine either around Christmas or There's maybe. There's no even. date on that. No, I don't think so yet. Uh, but you got some more amiibos coming out. They uh, they look pretty awesome, but whatever. Um, oh, you're going to really like this. Uh, Nintendo confirmed that several of its arcade classics are headed to Switch. I mean, finally. Uh, arcade no. Archives. Hold on a second. No. Arcade Archives Mario Brothers will launch on Switch on September 27th. Future games coming to Switch include versus Super Mario Brothers, versus Balloon Fight, versus Ice Climbers, versus Pinball, versus Cuckoo Land, and more. Versus who the who wants this? I have no interest in playing the 1982 arcade competitive version of. And I feel like they put this in there to kind of be like, hey, we're working on virtual or. We're working on the virtual console. In the meantime, do you want to play Cuckoo Land? Like, no! Like, those were the games that when the NES Classic came out, like, I can't imagine anybody was super excited to be playing Ice Climbers. Or, you know, I don't want to speak for... I don't want to speak for anybody. There might be really big fans out there for Super Mario Brothers, the original, not not the, you know, 85 Classic, but I don't know any. Yeah, they. I'm, I'm sure they exist, but... Like the majority of Switch owners are clamoring for the virtual console. Yeah. Any kind of news on the virtual console that such a thing will exist or has some sort of plans in the future so we can play the actual Mario and Zelda and Metroid and all those other great games that we actually want to play. But this was this was a little bit of a slap in the face. Um, um, and depending on like price point and 
uh, $29.99 for Super Mario Brothers. These these terrible games that, like, I'm sure there's a place in time when they were revered, but, like, it's 2017. Yeah. There's no... There's no time to be spent or enjoyment to be had in like Super Mario versus like that's, it was so tongue in cheek too. That's something you'll spend five minutes for the experience um, and just to witness the nostalgia quickly, and yeah. then you're it's done. Like you yeah. set it down and walk away. I always thought that was so interesting that their arcade games are called versus something. There's a versus Cala, there's a versus Castlevania arcade machine out there. It was part of the. They called them like Play Choice Ten. Do you remember those when you were a kid? You'd go to the arcade, and there would be Nintendo arcade machines, and they didn't have the cartridges in there. They actually had like boards in them, but you could pick between NES games that yeah, you wanted, and they were those all were called... just playing NES games, though, weren't they? Like I remember those cabinets where, you, like, you would just go up, and they had like eight NES games, but you you go through and you pick, and then like you're you're paying the quarters just to play the NES game. There was no like versus nature to it or something where you're I, trying to, to fight against that, somebody else. Like I, that was, that was kind of a separate entity, wasn't it? I think that the versus part was because you were supposed to be playing two players, but well, yeah, they, they Castlevania is not they a two player adventure cabinets where like it was just super Mario versus, or it was punch out and like you're, you're playing punch out the arcade version of it, yeah. which is kind of terrible when you compare it to the actual home version. I'm glad that you brought that up too, because that I did think that that was pretty interesting that we're going to get the arcade version of Punch Out for the Nintendo Switch com- coming at, at a later date. But I would much rather play the NES version oh, because absolutely. it's way better. I'd rather it's... play the SNES version. <laughs> yeah, Super Punch Out. Yeah, like give me a break. Uh, Bruce Straley, co-director of both The Last of Us and Uncharted 4 at Thief's End, has announced his departure from developer Naughty Dog. In a post on Naughty Dog's official site, Straley wrote that this has been the hardest decision of my career and that he has no current announcement about what his next step will be. What's going on with Naughty Dog? What, uh, it's, it's, this is, what's this happening? This is nothing big. I, it's just somebody who's moving on. Like they've, Naughty Dog's in the place, too, where they've kind of been churning out the same thing for years now. But they've um, lost their big writers. Yeah, and they've like lost they, a they, lot of talent they over lose the last them couple and they pick of years. Up new ones. Yeah, it's not, it's not like they're they're left in a lurch or anything. Yeah, like they lose talent. They, I'm sure they elevate talent from within, and like they just keep going. Um, the overall structure at Naughty Dog is fine and nothing to be concerned about. It's just it's somebody moving on who's probably spent a good chunk of his life doing the same uncharted thing, the same Nathan Drake story yeah. for a while, yeah. and like he just he, to fulfill his own wishes like he, he wants to move on and do something different so it, i you could see it as maybe an issue or a problem i just i don't see it that way i just it's it's a man who's making a career decision to move on and try something new all right like we, all, we all get burned out from time to time and you just you need something <laughs> new to re-engage yourself and like get that get that energy to keep doing what you're doing so all right, that's an optimistic way to look at it. I, I I only put that in there because I I do not I have not lost faith in uh, Last of Us Two. I think that that game is going to come out. I think it's going to blow our socks off. I think it's going to they're going to optimize it for the the newer systems, and it's just going to be absolutely beautiful and hard and challenging. But I am uh, concerned over the way that they've been treating the Uncharted series. I just it. it doesn't bother me at all because what was it, Amy Hennig wasn't wasn't she an uncharted she, writer? She was the writer that quit. She, she was she quit because she felt she was being pushed out, but she was she was kind of pushed out or edged out, maybe even kind of shown the door because they had 
the other writers working on The Last of Us, and like let's let's be fair here, The Last of Us kind of puts Uncharted and its recent stories to shame. Yeah, like yeah. It, it just absolutely yeah. surpassed it. So it's yeah. like I said, there's there's probably a whole lot of talent going on at Naughty Dog, and like if you have any interest in video game development whatsoever, you're you're trying to get your resume over to Naughty Dog yeah. in a hurry. Yeah. So I don't think they have any shortage of talent in the wings waiting to take over. Uh, Nintendo was, has released an update for the Nintendo Switch Online app, allowing users to, to continue to use voice chat on their phone when the device is in sleep mode. Oh, thank God. Why as do I out- still have to use my phone? Oh, like, my why God. Is that even a thing? As outlined on Nintendo's online support site, update version 1.1.0 also allows voice chat to continue to function when other apps are open. I can't believe it. Amazing. Except for apps that use the microphone or have output. Audio output for Android users. The update also improves Bluetooth support. When is Nintendo going to get on board with anything? And I, I think I've brought this up before on Yaps before. They they are nervous of the online space because it's Nintendo, and they have a, a they have a software company and a hardware company that is kind of geared towards kids, and they respect that market, and they are very very much w- worried about wieners and you yeah. know boobies and, like, and, and the the standard xbox and playstation kids that you have run around yeah like just spouting all sorts of nonsense but i think there's only so long they can hide behind that veil of we're trying to protect our gamers and like we're trying to protect the kids before they have to realize like hey it's it's 2017 yeah like you guys you have to catch up or yeah your system's just gonna fail yeah um now like i i don't see any super uh, like multiplayer focused titles on Nintendo that even get me excited. So it's not something that I've found any issue with yet, but in the future, like I could see myself being really upset when I'm sitting there trying to talk to you using my phone mm-hmm. through the Nintendo voice chat app mm-hmm. when like I, I should just be able to plug into the system and we should be able to party up and play together and talk that way. Cause otherwise, like why am I not just calling you? Why yeah. am I not just like Skype or something? A, a call or face, or FaceTime, 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 Skype, uh, like even just a three way phone call or something. If we have another person yeah. involved, like it's just, it's, it's so backwards. It's kind of baffling. Well, yeah, just because there's, you open a Nintendo app doesn't mean that you're not just fundamentally using the programs that are already on your telephone, you yep. know? So, okay. Um, Okami HD will arrive for PS4, Xbox one and steam on December 12th. Players can choose between the original 4.3 aspect ration or a modernized widescreen and the original version's interactive loading screens. Um, it's going to be 20 bucks. You you like Okami, right? Did you play that game? Never played it. No, but isn't Okami by the same company that did Shadow Colossus? I have no idea. Okay. To be honest. I, 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 I thought you were know. a big Shadow Colossus I, I Okami I love fan. I Shadow Colossus. That was great. I think that they I think on I think on PlayStation 3 they actually had an Okami Shadow of Colossus, uh, like two pack or something uh, like that, but I might be did. wrong. I'm okay, just, I'm unaware of it. Well, you're going to be getting an updated version of it on December 12th. Um, and finally, last but not least, the news of the night. God, this has been good news. This it, it is was, so. This is a, this is good, good news, man. I like. It, it could have been perfect if they would have thrown any kind of acknowledgement of the virtual console out, but like. <laughs> They, they, just they, they didn't, on. so it's just it's just kind of like, yeah, okay, we'll we'll let you pass for a while. They just keep on kicking you when you're down. So uh, the reason that Kyle is so upset about this is he never had a Super Nintendo when he was a kid. All I wanted. 
his parents they bought him one and they they showed it to him on Christmas no, and they yeah. threw it into a gutter and they said that's because you got to be in geometry and you went no no so like I was I was talking to Kyle recently and he's been dying for a virtual virtual console he's been dying to play Super Mario World on the go because he didn't have it when he was a kid and I was like shit I I think I have seven copies of that game on Wii U on Super Nintendo I have the cart I've had it on you know like just all kind and I was like it's one of the greatest games ever and you're like thanks man like I know that I've been waiting patiently for almost a year now they told us Nintendo told us hey buy our Nintendo Switch we promise to God in a couple of months you are going to be able to play the classics and we'll gouge the shit out of you and you're going to pay for it and you were on board you're like whatever 10 yeah, bucks I'd, I'd throw down the, the 50 60 dollars uh-huh. if they wanted me to at this point uh-huh. um it's just it's yeah right like my parents actually bought me the nintendo entertainment system uh-huh. and like i played that to no end um and then they refused to ever buy another console because in their <laughs> in their minds like no you what have makes a console. it super you have a new con you yeah. have a console what do you need a new one for so that was like that was all i ever wanted as a kid i spent so many hours in the walmart uh-huh. like, video electronics entertainment uh-huh. section just like st- staring up at the screen of the super nintendo they had to play there which always running super mario world and i never never got to finish it so <laughs> it's, it's uh, all i've wanted in life uh nintendo has announced that we'll see more stock of the upcoming snes classic edition and a return to stores for its seemingly discontinued predecessor the nes classic edition in a press release nintendo announced that Due to incredible demand for the upcoming SNES Classic, Nintendo plans to ship the retro-inspired product into 2018. Originally, shipments were announced to cease at the end of the calendar year. The press release adds that the NES Classic will return on an unspecified date in summer of 2018. So, what what did I just read out loud that we're gonna oh that that we're gonna get more uh, SNES Classics than we thought? So I, I think Supposedly, that Supposedly, there's still no numbers to that. There's yeah. no there's no real data attached to that to say it, like exactly how many or like they just kind of keep reassuring that like you know don't don't pay the scalpers just don't don't pay the extra money for it um just just wait it out you'll you'll have one we're making enough um but and that's that's a wait and see kind of approach that that's scary and they're bringing back the NES classic yeah, too the, the which one is that, like they only sold I. Still no numbers on that either, but it seems like, what, maybe 500,000 of them total and, like, so many people wanted them. I just – so me and you, a little bit of backstory when when these pre-orders went. So I pre-ordered it on Walmart, and then I got the email that said, hey, guess what? We screwed up. There, there was a glitch in the system. You can't have it. And then we were at work, and we saw on Reddit that you can go pre-order them now. So we raced to GameStop, and both of us – they, they told us to pound sand. They probably got, like, I don't know, 16 to 20 pre-orders. And it was just that same terrible feeling that I had a year ago. And so I just are – they, are they baiting us that, you know, they, you know, we messed up last year. We realized that we messed up last year. We can we could print money if we want to. These things are going to be out in the wild. I just – I don't know. And now they're actually saying, hey, we're going to bring the NES Classic back next summer, which is great. I still really want one. I don't know if I want to open it and play it, but I definitely want to own yeah. one. Well, and that's that's the problem too because I'd rather just play these games on my Switch. Like I'd rather just yeah. put those on this new fancy technology that I have and take it with me wherever I go. Like that's, that's ideally what I want. Like I don't want to spend the $80 on their little mini console that comes with five-foot controller cords and – 
Yeah. Um, I have to hook like a seven foot HDMI up just so yeah. I can sit on my couch and play it. But uh, it was just said, a- they said that they they put up for pre order more SNES classics than they sold sold in total of the NES classics yeah. last year. Yeah. So that that seems like a lot, but I still like I I How no many NES classics did they sell? I went, I went to two game stops. Like I raced to the one, they said they were out, they said go check the other one, so I raced across town to that one and they said they were out as soon as I got there. Like they I missed both by like 5 and 10 minutes. Yeah. Um it just it, it absolutely was a terrible feeling and because like it all went live while I was at work and like I happened to be busy that day. I happened to be like engaged not looking at my phone and you know just, just you were at work, yeah, and was, so was I. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, not like checking the internet to see when it was going to go on sale. Ugh. So I just I don't want that feeling again. I want that Super NES. I want I want to play Earthbound. I I could play Earthbound right now if I went home, but I want to play it in HD, and I want to and I just I I I'm excited. I I it's interesting that they're bringing back the NES Classic, but what a weird announcement. So um, it only took them well, a year. It, yeah, it, that that acknowledgement too is such it's almost like a mea culpa of like, Hey, like we're sorry we shorted everyone. And all those people that paid $400 for one through a scalper, like, you know, here's, here's our middle finger. Sorry about that. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's, it's all just kind of a shitty situation. Like you wish they would, they would just handle things a little bit better than they have. Listen listen to your fans, like listen to your fans, put out, put out pre-order numbers, put out surveys, you know, you guys print money, you you know, they lost so much money with the NES classic. And so I'm wondering, I'm wondering how well it will be received when they put it out again. Will it, will it have the kind of phenomena that it did again? Will there be shortages? Will people be able to get them? Will scalpers buy them up again? Like what is going to happen? And especially what is going to happen with the super NES classic? I love that line where they said we were originally only going to sell them through 2017. Are you kidding me? September, October, November, you were going to sell them for, for four months. Yeah. Like what, what is the point of that? Yeah. Well, and like it's make it, money. N- Nintendo has its own website. Like it, Go ahead and put that up for pre-order. Take all the pre-orders in the world. Like then you know what how many shipments you have to fulfill. Like just allow those numbers to stack up and create some sort of a line rather mm-hmm. than like release a, a small amount to retailers, which is sold out in a matter of, a matter of minutes. Uh-huh. And then like everyone's just kind of waiting around, seeing like, oh, well, what do I need to do? Like what what's the next step? What 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 actions do I have to take to try and jump on this train? It, well, the whole thing is is kind of messy and and muddy and it's just it's disappointing but that's kind of the nintendo way yeah and we're gonna find out soon kyle you want to take a quick break yeah sure all right we'll be back kyle i don't know about you but one of my least favorite things to do in this world is a road trip it's boring. You got to drive for seven hours. You got to drive for eight hours. You got to drive for 10 hours. It's a road trip. It's just, there's nothing that you can do that's fun. You can listen to a podcast. You can uh, listen to an audio book, or you can just fight with your wife the entire time down or fight with your dogs or your baby or whatever. The good people at Moral Implications, they know this and we're ahead of the curve. They're ahead of the curve and they have invented, get ready for this, Kyle. We're ahead of the curve. We're ahead of everything. Oh boy. Self-driving cars, Kyle. Wait, Moral Implications invented this? Moral Implications invented. We trademarked it. Wow. That's, and that's we, phenomenal. There's we some, are the first people. We are the first people to have 
cars on the road. We don't care. I mean, we, we tested it as good as we could. And we had a we had an eighty percent uh, success rate, and we a said, whole lot of get, faith in that. get those cars out there." And Kyle, now what what do you do? You have an eight hour road trip, man. You just sit back. You're allowed to drink. You can have a nice cold cocktail. You can play That's board games. You can you can do all. You can take a nap, and you don't have to worry about driving. And yes, there is an a twenty percent chance of getting into a fatal accident. One out of but five. Yeah, but uh, but but you can also just sit back, relax, have a nice, you know, uh, worry-free. If you're drinking, you don't care if there's a twenty percent chance that you could actually crash into somebody else. And Hell guess man, I'll roll what? those dice. Let's do yeah, it. Exactly. And the good people at Moral Pacations, Hey, if there's a funeral, boom, we'll they'll pay for it. Oh, that's, I mean, that's amazing. Yes, yes. So I mean, think we're we're our technology is getting better. And we're going to keep on putting money into it. Uh, you know, we, we are predicting by next year an 85% survival rate. And oh, that man, just no. means, no, boy, you want to go to Florida. Boy, you want to go to – you want to go see the the um, the the mountains. You want to go see all of this stuff across the country. All you got to do, pile all your kids in, pile all your dogs in, and just turn the car on, put in your destination, sit back, have a little bit of worry. But – if you're dead, you can't be worried. You can't be sad. <laughs> this is just the greatest invention ever. I hate driving, and I love the Moral Pacations car. It's twenty-eight thousand. We have financing available. You're gonna you're gonna be able to take a nice long family vacation. There's an eighty-five percent uh, success that you're gonna get there, safe and sound. We promise both of those things. Not only are you gonna get there safe, but sound as well. That is. A, super affordable. Yes. And B, that 15% chance isn't necessarily death. Yeah. It might be maimed and dismemberment. Yeah. But you'll still be alive. Yeah. So there's, you know, even better odds of, of getting there as you would hope to. I mean. That's, that's a fantastic product. I mean, you can play board games in the car. Yeah, that's all I want to do. You can play your Nintendo Switch in the car. You don't yeah. have to worry about driving. You just sit back. Kyle, I'll pour you a nice cocktail. And before you know it. We're going to be there or not, but probably, yes, we most will be there yes. most likely. And if we're not, big deal. I know that the good suits in Washington are going to take care of the, the fees. It's 28000 for the self-driving car. You can buy one right now, order one off the website. I mean, pre-orders are through the roof for this bad boy. I imagine. Yep. And you can be part of that 85% club. <laughs> Buy one that's right now. That's a club you want to be a that's part of. That's a party you want to be a club. <laughs> buy one right now. Hello and welcome back to Afternoon Yap. Uh, Kyle, right now I want to talk about one of my favorite trilogies, not my all-time favorite trilogy, but a trilogy that blew my socks off 10 years ago and we just celebrated the 10-year anniversary of the release of the first one, a little game I like to call Bioshock, a little series I like to call Bioshock. Uh, take me back to when you played Bioshock 1. Uh, did you play it right away when it came out, or how was this game introduced to you? Oh, goodness. Yeah, I, I believe I picked it up on launch day um, and don't have a great deal of memory of exactly what happened, just more so the, the effect that kind of the game had on me. Um, just fantastic story, first of all, and then the, the twist in the ending was, was remarkable. Um, 
really did not see that coming. And when it happened, it was just, it, it was, it was a great feeling as I continued and, and finished that game. It was, it was just wonderful overall. I think, I think that one of the most exciting things about that game to me is, and I've played it now probably five times. They had an HD re-release that came out a year ago is that setting rapture underneath the water and it i think that it is if i am dying to play a game in vr it is it is bioshock and it is being in the world of rapture um so you can help me out with the story a little bit but it basically tells the story of if you were to build an underwater city in the 40s what would happen to a ton of people if they were isolated from everybody else and it's exactly what you would think would happen is it's not going to it's not going to succeed it's not going to thrive there are going to be a handful of people down there that are selfish and that are going to take over the populace and things just go absolutely crazy yeah there's a lot of social experimentation a lot of chemical and medicinal experimentation going on and things of course just go haywire I think I think one of the so not only I remember playing Bioshock one and I, I would sit and I would look out the window and I would see this kind of 1940s art deco architecture and it was it took place underwater and I never I had never even heard of art deco and I remember it was so attractive to my eye that I would be talking to my other buddy that was playing it and he would say yep you know he, he was a guy that lived in Cleveland Cleveland was a city that had a hun- uh, tons of Art Deco all over it. And now, because of that game, I'll go to cities, and Art Deco is something that I am fascinated by and drawn by because it was a style of architecture in the 40s that is scary, for for lack of a better term. Well, it's, it's, it's not even just architecture, too. It is a style of design that was very prominent and uh, very notable because of that time period and it was so widely used that it's it's kind of cemented in that period of time so whenever you're trying to evoke that time period you can you can pull out those art deco elements um and and throw them in and you're taken back there because it it is so strongly tied to that time period um so we talked a little bit about the story uh a little bit about the atmosphere I, i me and you have had discussions on this a whole bunch um, you know, can a game do well if the the story is an absolute 10, if the atmosphere is an absolute 10, and the gameplay is kind of just in there to get you from start to finish? I think that the gameplay is great. You always had a fundamental problem between the combat because well, you can only shoot with one hand and you have to stop in order to use your magic powers with the other hand. That's That's – like that's not fair though because that's 100 percent in retrospect that is a 2020 hindsight view of the game yeah um that came about when they did bioshock infinite later on yeah which was the the sky city rather than the underwater city where you had access to both your your magical powers in your left hand and the guns in your right hand and you could use them both simultaneously without switching over when originally playing Bioshock, I did not have that problem at all. And like the gameplay was still fantastic. It was still, I would give it a 10 in that time period. It's uh-huh. just, as a it's, lot has changed since 2007. As it's grown older and as things have kind of, you know, evolved and, and gotten better, um, it's, it's, it's lost some points in retrospect. But originally in that time period, like that was, that was a perfect game. 
Well, you know, it, it's something about the gameplay that I, I found really fascinating when I was playing it a year ago, the HD version, is how rooted it is in RPG elements and how I was not respecting or just I didn't care about that back in 2007. I mean, basically the way that I played this game was I upgraded my freeze power, I froze splicers, and then I walked up to them and I hit it with a wrench because it was so fun, it was so satisfying, but you can upgrade your powers in ways that you can play out scenarios in tons of different ways. And I would watch my buddy, our buddy, Malpal play it, and he loved experimenting with stuff like that. I don't know if that goes back to a System Shock 2 thing. I mean, obviously this is done by a guy named Ken Levine um, and Irrational Games, which they have now disbanded, which is really sad. We're not going to see... I mean, we will probably see another Bioshock, but it will not be by that guy. And that sucks because he is the heart and soul of Bioshock. But I think that he, his original vision for Bioshock was, I want a, a dystopia, I want um, RPG elements, and uh, and I, I think that he really delivered on that on at least, you know, the, the, the Bioshock 1 and Infinite. Yeah, I uh, the RPG elements thing is is an interesting point too because I think that game had a lot of influence on like most future shooters and like modern day shooters today all incorporate those RPG elements and it's not even just shooters it's like all games now you need some sort of evolution of your character or like building and progressing over time it's not the the old standard where like the original Doom where it, your progression throughout the world and the game was just picking up a new gun. Mm-hmm. Like that was the progression yeah. of your powers. You picked up the next gun and then you picked up the gun after that. And then you picked up another gun. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just constantly picking up these powers and then you're, you're able to evolve them to make them stronger. Mm-hmm. And you can make the interactions with the other powers of your guns evolve in different ways and make those stronger as well. Um, I think the game did a great job though. And uh, maybe you missed out on it, but, the throwing those new powers at you and then kind of making you try them out just to see like what effects they had. And then I guess it's kind of up to you as the player to, to try them out and try out the different combinations and the different effects that they have and the, the different ways that you could tackle uh, an interaction with an enemy. Um, But there were some very, like very interesting and creative powers that they came up with for that game that you, you still see today like you see those same effects and uh not necessarily powers but just the the same ideas and concepts playing out in games today so it, it definitely wasn't like kind of a landmark time as far as video game development went there's there's fascinating uh like makings of of the bioshock game and just where they started at and the idea that they had and how it like slowly turned into the game that it was that there there wasn't originally the little sisters and they 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 along the development process they found out that they needed to add the little sisters because there needed to be empathy involved in the game you need to feel sorry for something you know it can't just be this mass chaos that's going under uh, you know in this city underground um but i i like I said, I that game was just such a huge shock and a surprise when it came out, and I I've, I still haven't played System Shock Two, but I'm I'm willing to believe that a lot of those elements like came from that, and just um, yeah, you're probably right on that. 
Uh, I, I miss System Shock as well, so can't really speak to it, but uh, they're probably leaning on that heavily. Yeah. And then a couple years later, so or Bioshock 1 came out in 2007. I think that Bioshock 2 came out in 2010 or so. I don't, I don't recall. I think it came out, I think it came out three years later. And I remember I borrowed the game from you. And the one thing that I was so upset about was, is it was done by a different team and it was not done by Ken Levine. And I was thinking to myself, you know, what are we going to get here? Are we going to get a good game or are we going to get just a rehash of Bioshock one? So the story changes. Now you are the first big daddy and you are kind of, is it is it the events that's before Bioshock One? Oh no, it's I think it's ten years after Bioshock One, correct? I I don't recall. I just I remember it being more of like a DLC, like it, it in the the concept of DLC today, like it's an extension of that story and just a, a further look into that universe. But like, um, it it wasn't a, a great story. It wasn't a great game. Unless you you know you're really into Bioshock yeah. One, but there were some very interesting moments in that game. Yeah. Is the the best I can say about it is that there there were some very interesting concepts that they they let play out, um, such as playing as the Big Daddy once yeah. he finally transformed. Yeah. But um, it, it it was farmed out, and it's one of those things that you know developers do that like we need to hey leverage this product, so hey here's this team over here with nothing to do let's mm -hmm. have them mm -hmm. create this thing that continues it and hopefully that will satisfy the fans but it just it came up short i remember 2010 was like the year that they were slapping multiplayer on everything and on tons of games that didn't deserve it and there was multiplayer in bioshock 2 something that nobody had asked for and i think you took i think you like because I remember playing some matches of it. It was pretty neat how they introduced it to you. You like they would show you inside of your apartment, inside Rapture, and I don't I don't know if you were a splicer or not, but it was just I mean they had multiplayer for so many games around that time. I remember the Darkness had multiplayer, and it, that this was back in the day when um and back in the day seven years ago. Do you remember when they used to have um like multiplayer passes yeah. because they were so they were so concerned with people buying used games that they would sell a multiplayer pass for $10. That and if you didn't have that code for a year or two. Yeah. yeah and then it, it just, it didn't work. And this is just another one of those games where I was like, why on earth would they have multiplayer in Bioshock? Uh, they, there was a DLC that got added to it. Minerva's den. And I played that a year ago. Probably it's probably only about three hours and I can't remember what the story is, but I think that you are going to pretty much like the computer of Bioshock, whatever, kind of like the AI that controls Rapture. I think that was the story of it, and it I think it turns twisted, and you have to like get, get to it and shut it down. But the fundamental problem with Bioshock 2 was we'd been there. We'd seen it. You know, I remember playing Bioshock 1 and, and thinking to myself, man, I want to go back to Rapture before it all happened. I want to go back and see it before they, everything is flooded, before all the splicers happen, because just that world is so amazing. The, the Art Deco 1940s city underneath the sea that could never, ever happen. And we got Bioshock 2, and then I learned that it was it was by, uh, what, what, 2K Marin? Or it, was, yep. it was still the same publisher, but it wasn't by Ken Levine. Different team. 
And so was Ken Levine secretly working on the sequel at that point? I don't know. But that gets us to Bioshock Infinite, which is it's tough. I don't know what I don't know if I like Bioshock one more than I like Bioshock Infinite, because here's what's up. Bioshock one has one of the greatest settings that I've ever just for me. Like I just I love that underwater world. I I, I thought it was so fascinating that the isolation being put down there and just looking out the window and seeing sea animals and stuff like that and but Bioshock Infinite has a much better story. It does not have as half as good as a setting. I think now we're in like 1918 or something like that in Bioshock Infinite. Do you remember? Yeah, it's it's weird because it's almost like Civil War time period whereas, you know, the original Bioshock was much later in the 40s in um 1940s that is yeah so it almost took like a step a step back in time but uh by being in the clouds and in the air and that you kind of lose that overall environmental setting yeah whereas like you always knew you were underwater in the original bioshock uh-huh. but being up in the clouds like there's there's no difference from being on the land until you get to the edge and you can look down and see like hey we're we're hundreds of feet up in the air yeah um that that was the only thing that I, I guess stood out to me as far as the environment and that, but I, I still, I, I loved Bioshock infinite. I mean, just the, the environments, the setting, there's some really weird elements in play in that game. Like the really overarching racism and the propaganda that is on the walls and stuff like that. Infinite got very like political, in a way that was almost heavy handed. Americana nineteen eighteen, right? Yeah. Like this this picture perfect American city up in the clouds and and you were one and, and it's this weird I don't want to use the word dichotomy because I don't think that's the right word that I'm looking for, but I remember I could I could have a sense of you know, I could understand how they could put a city underneath the water but then when you're walking around bioshock infinite there's all these kind of like big balloons everywhere and i was like am i supposed to believe that the city is being held up by balloons but then you later learn that i think that it's like interdimensional so like the bioshock explain that away with the lutes twins did they did they run out of an explanation well it's essentially yeah because there's no there's no actual grounded explanation uh-huh. that, like, can be explained with real world science today but like there was some metaphysical kind of explanation of like they had these particles that were traveling through dimensions that were holding these balloons up in the air and like the Lutes twins were the creators of that um, but like it, it it was a very kind of video gamey explanation yeah. as to why this was happening and why it was allowed to happen That I mean that was a game that I finished and you know spoiler alert the name of the game in Bioshock Infinite is the multiverse. So you go to this, it's 1919 or 1920 or something like that. You're in the clouds and everything that you do, there is an infinite amount of, depending on the choices that you make, there's a, an infinite amount of consequences or different other paths that you can take. And you re- and you run into these two called the Latess, Latess, yeah, and they're it's, basically the same person, right? They, it is the same person, but in the the multiverses, one of them is male, one of them is female. So it it is the same person, but they they present themselves as a male and a female, even though it is the same person just from different dimensions. 
and it's it, the the choices in that is like every every choice a person creates or or takes creates a new multiverse like it creates a new universe where that one person took the left path one person took the right so every every single possible choice a person can make creates a new dimension as as far as like the infinite possibilities that could happen in a person's lifetime you know and i think that remains the fundamental difference between the two i don't i don't really count bioshock 2 as part of it because it, it was very much a game that ken levine wasn't a part of um i think that it introduced some some interesting story elements but it wasn't anything i didn't i wasn't in a rush to go back to rapture i think rapture is an incredible setting i think that they they kind of got close when they went to columbia it's, I just I don't want the series to end and he after I, why do you think Ken Levine quit do you think that he was just done with the, the how hard it is to make AAA games and, and the demands that it takes or it just because he quit and he basically said I want to go back to making story driven games I don't you know like I don't want all of the stuff that comes along with this and I was I was upset I was like man at least we got Bioshock 1 at least we got Bioshock Infinite but He's been working on this one game now for God knows how many years, and we haven't seen any pictures of it. We haven't seen any gameplay of it. What do you think happened? I, I, I think that Bioshock One was was such a contained, confined story, like beginning to end, like the narrative was set, um, and then they tried to expand upon that in Bioshock Infinite, and they took it from like A to B to a to infinite possibilities in Bioshock Infinite. Yeah. Um, and then like they they kind of even accomplished that. Like as as tall as that task was, they they accomplished that feat in the way that they they explained the the infinite choices a person makes in their lifetime and how it affects things and it it, it even went into like a it's a wonderful life point where they start showing like different timelines and what could have happened and uh, different things that that are going on in different universes where different choices were made and they all it's all explained away in the end when they they start going through the different lights lighthouses and uh, you come to the the realization that you're kind of playing as the villain yeah in a different choice that yeah. was made yeah um, I just I think he took it to the extent that he possibly could and he knew he was going to be asked for some sort of sequel or like some developers going to want to keep cranking out these games. And he just said like, I'm going to cut this off at the past. Yeah. Like let's, I'm going to walk away now. Like yeah. before you have a chance to ask me for another, like yeah. we've done it. We've, we've taken it to its end. There's no further uh, story to be told here. So I, I think that's what he did. And I, I think you were right earlier when you said that after Bioshock one, he immediately jumped onto infinite. Like that was the next task, and that was you know seven eight years later. Yeah. Um. So it it could be another three four years before we hear from him on whatever his next game is, and uh, he has the credentials, he has the past and the accolades that like I say let him be. Yeah. Like whatever he comes up with next, I'm I'm eager to see it, and I will I will check it out for certain because like he he's shown that he he knows exactly how to create these narratives and stories that are that are worth engaging with and they're working on a, a system shock Two reboot correct i uh, i don't know if it's a reboot so much as maybe a remake, remake. yeah but um that 
it, it could be interesting. I, it's, it's one of those things where like we're, we're just rehashing again things that have been played out in yeah. years past, but we have more graphical capabilities, so maybe that enhances the story in some way or shape. I, th I think that the next logical thing that I want is I want Bioshock 1 in VR. And I don't care if it gets watered down and they take out some of the areas, but like, like I said, Rapture is one of my favorite gaming settings of all time. And like hands down. Now they, they did their best to come up with something clever for Bioshock Infinite. It takes place in the sky, but it has, there's, it's just, when you're in the sky, you don't have that feeling of isolation and that you did in Bioshock 1. And also, it had the power of all of that really cool art deco that I've, now I'm kind of fascinated with every time I see it. Like, I'll point to my wife and I'll go, that's art deco. And she'll go, I don't care, you know? <laughs> like, great, you read a book somewhere at some point. You pointed something out to me at some point. Bioshock Infinite, too, had, like, actual live human beings milling around, whereas the original Bioshock had nothing of that. The only, like, characters you ran into were the splicers who were like these evil like i don't know zombie like creatures um you, so that was that was kind of a disconnect there between the two but like i i think it worked to an effect that like the columbia was an actual living city whereas yeah. bioshock was uh, uh, rapture was kind of a dead city um but even like bioshock infinite took you back to that though in the dlc there was the dlc that took you back, back before to rapture everything before right before it all happened yeah and like even playing through that though like I don't know if it just wasn't successful enough or I just didn't care enough, but like playing through that, I was just it, like, yeah, it happened. Like, yeah, this is nice, but it's, it's not, I guess what I was expecting or it yeah. just didn't fulfill my hopes and wishes. I, I, I hope that we get a VR version of it. And you know, like I love this series so much. I, I hope that we get a remake of it at some point. And I, I would love, you know, Give, that, him, give him about five years. And Bioshock it'll, it'll is a very serious. Um, it is a very serious series. But if you look at the character models, they all kind of look cartoony. And I really like the environments didn't. The environments they went for as realistic as they could with the technology back in 2005. But the characters, they, they never really looked. They they all had a kind of a cartoon look to they it. All had those funky but, party masks on. And I think that that's what that was part of the charm of it too was there was really horrible stuff that was happening in those games murders and especially in the first one where there's doctors that are disfiguring people and stuff like that and they're doing them to other cartoon looking characters. Um, if you are looking for story driven games and you have not played BioShock 1, play BioShock 1 and if you are looking for a very heavy, very mind effing game play Bioshock Infinite and which one would you rather play? Would well, you rather it, play Infinite or would you rather play one? Again, what like, do you think is a better game? It, in retrospect, it's it's tough because if I want to play a game, I want to play Infinite because it, the, the, the gameplay is so much the better. The gameplay was better. The Skyhook? They improved upon it. Yeah, the Skyhook was great roll, rolling around on these these kind of roller coaster trains. Um, but like there's there's still a part of me that that holds on to that Bioshock story yeah. which it, there's a twist in the end that no spoilers but like it would it, you it, kindly it really turns you yeah, yeah. It, it really kind of turns you and you everything you've completed into that in that game until that point like you thought you were doing on your own accord yeah but it's it's taken from you and like all that actionable uh like stuff that you did is is now given to someone else like yeah. all that all those those things that you did were taken away from you and you were actually doing it on the account of someone else so it's like if i if i 
had a mind control device, and every time I said, would you kindly, you made me a turkey sandwich. Yes. Would you kindly, yeah. Kyle? <laughs> Kyle, thank you so much for talking to me, talking with me about the Bioshock trilogy. Um, like I said, oh, before we leave, Bioshock Infinite, Bioshock 1. Oh, man. Uh, if I'm going to have to choose, I'm going to take, take Bioshock Infinite. Because really? there's, in like, the, the whole metaverse and the different possibilities and the infinite universe and things of that nature like that all just fascinates me to no end um so i i would go for that and the fact that the gameplay is kind of you know leaps and bounds beyond what bioshock had that that's what stands out to me so i would i would absolutely take infinite and i will always say bioshock one just because of that setting man i absolutely love that setting uh that's it for the bioshock trilogy we'll be right back Kyle, it's 2017, and the good people at More Implications realize that things have got to change, man. Like, this whole American ideal of, you know, graduating from college, finding a wife, living in the suburbs, having a job, raising a family there, man, that's so 2000 and late. You know, like, like I'm an independent person. My wife is an independent person. Let's be independent together. We're all independent people. So the good people in More Implications have come up with an amazing new technology. Not an amazing new technology, just a new idea. His and her houses. Can you imagine it? Oh, I'm on board. So what's, what happens is is we're going to build up communities all across the country in all kinds of different places that you want to live. Boy, you want to live in Detroit? Boom, you got it. You want to live in uh, uh, El Paso? Boom, you got it. And we're going to build up these communities, and they're going to be two small houses together. You're going to have all the amenities that you ever wanted, but she's going to have her own place. You're going to have your own place. You guys can still be in love. You can still raise a family, but this is, this you're doing it separately. The 1950s concepts of separate beds, but taken to the next level. Taking, taking it to the big time next this is, level. This is, this is foresight. And you, like years beyond years of future creation here. This is this is fantastic stuff. You get your own garage. You don't have to clean up after them. They have to clean up after themselves. Now you can still do the boy things that if you want to, if you want to go over there and be a nice guy and shovel their their walkway or mow their lawn, you can do that. But you don't have to because it's their place. And everything is interconnected. It's still going to be a happy, successful marriage. But finally, you just get a little bit of little piece of that pie, little piece of that. No, no, it's not seven o'clock and they're saying, hey, you're playing Destiny right now. I'd really like a little bit of cuddle time. Doesn't ha They have to actually call ahead and say, hey, do, do they, you want to hang out knock tonight? On that door. They have to knock on that door. That's just not the constant. Hey, you know, like, you know, pay attention to me. Give me a back rub. No, 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 no. Not with the separate houses his and her homes by the good people at More Implications. Now, these homes are smaller homes. They're not like on uh, the HG network where it's the tiny homes. I mean, but you're going to have a nice little home, uh, one bathroom each. It's like, uh, it's like two separate townhomes that are just conjoined. Yeah. They're, not, they're just right next to each other. And you just you just have the luxury of your own space of your own space. Like it's just exactly like you said. We saw how things worked in the 1950s, and we said, "Man, they were perfect back in the 1950s." You know, don't speak when you're not spoken to, and and sleep in a separate bed, and you can still raise a family. But what kind of happens with this scenario is is I would get the kid for a day, and then I would have to walk over to the next door and hand it to the wife and. 
you can decorate the house how you want to. I can finally have my bar back in my living room. I can have my Nirvana poster up right in my living room. I can have a pool table, pinball machine, all the whole nine yards because it's separate living spaces. I see that smile on your face. You're happy about this idea. And it's affordable. Where, where do I find one? We've made it affordable. Now, the house is not very safe, but you're going to have your own separate house. Uh, you can find one in any major city right now. Wait, we're, why is it not safe? <laughs> well, because we built it on not the greatest budget because we're selling you two homes for the cost of one home. So, you know, you got to think about all that lawn. you got to think about all that's, of that lumber. That's fair. That's so, fair. But you're going to have two separate homes, and boy, are you going to be happy. And Christmas – you guys it back and forth you know it's like, like two christmases it's like two christmases one kid can have a christmas at this house one kid can have another christmas at this house and like you know no fuss no muss two separate houses his and her houses look into it right now developments are popping up all over the country go get one right now Hello and welcome back to Afternoon Yap. Hey, for our final segment of the night, uh, Destiny 2 came out. And I think in order to review Destiny 2, I think we need to go back three years. I think we need to look back at what we were promised with Destiny 1, what we were delivered, and the, the effect that it had on us, and now what we've got with Destiny 2. So three years ago, we got Destiny 1. And I, I don't know how you felt about it, but the, the beta came out. We got a sizable beta we got like one quarter of the game in the beta and so we were promised uh, so just off the top of my head we were promised a bungee game so so i i've never been a big halo fan you've always been a really big halo fan Huge. but what i was expecting was you know best in class shooting best in class storytelling yeah and then with this marriage of is it mmo it's it's supposed to be MMO. It's supposed to be MMO light, I yeah. guess, for consoles rather than PCs. And what did we get? Uh, we got MMO light, light. Yeah. Like it, it, there's there was a lot of promise to it, but like it it lacked in some very crucial areas. I think the the story itself was told through grimoire cards. That were found on a website online. How crazy which, was that? I, Did they really expect us to believe oh, that? Man. That they had really crafted a world? And, and they were saying, hey, go get on your computer yeah, hey, to learn about the story. Were they take, really expecting us to from, buy that? Take time out from playing the video game that we're providing you to go jump You're already online. there. Yeah, jump online and read about the story we're trying to provide for you. Um, it, was, oh. it was kind of mind-numbing, but like... Uh, overall, I guess like the the shooting and the gameplay is is top notch. It was it was great. It felt great. Best guns, in class. I mean, guns I felt great. The sound was great. Like everything was wonderful, except for the fact that like there was no, no story, story being told whatsoever. Um, little snippets from the ghost here and there. Even those were were kind of throwaway lines every time. Like there was no real world building explaining why there's you know like these four or five different alien races interacting with humans and this mystical orb that the, the traveler that's you know almost planet size or moon size that's just kind of hovering above the earth like no real explanation or story that kind of grounded everything in this world did Bungie run out of time like because weren't they thinking of destiny back when they were creating 
uh, uh, Halo Reach. Weren't they, they basically wor- they working were, on it? They were. It had been a concept for them for quite some time because there were snippets of it in uh, – it wasn't Halo Reach. It was uh, – I thought there was like ODST, a poster. Halo ODST. Oh, ODST, yeah. Halo Orbital ODST drop, had, strike had team a team or something like that. A, um, it was a poster, and it showed the Traveler hover, hovering yeah. above Earth. So, it, like, they were kind of indicating – leanings toward that um it's just everything i've heard is that like they were venturing down this path but they signed this massive contract with activision Activision. for 10 years and it got to a point where they weren't going to fulfill what they needed to for that contract so they hacked and slashed that game apart pulling things out taking the story out like ripping things apart and then Within a year, they kind of pieced it all back together, and they didn't they didn't apply the story back to it. They they just kind of ripped the mission structure apart and and plied it all back together, and said like, hey, here's here's a website. Go read this. <laughs> Go read these grimoire cards to uh, understand what we're doing here. It was it was so interesting too because when it came out three years ago, the game was also developed in tandem for the older console. Yeah, console. That was, so that was we had kind this of a nightmare. We had this pretty game that we wanted to look at, and it was actually not running to its potential because it was actually meant to also run on an Xbox 360 and a PlayStation 3. So I don't want to spend too much time on Destiny One, but what we got was there were people that felt really really burned about it. And here's here's my takeaway: uh, the shooting was great. Story, whatever. I don't care. I'm not the biggest sci-fi fan. I I never went into this going, boy, I really hope that it's got a Halo storyline because I never cared about Halo to begin with. But what I did get was a six- or seven-hour campaign with real strong shooting. Um, the, the strikes were super fun. I really liked getting online and playing with you and playing with our, our other buddies and just kind of – yes, I would run into bullet sponge bosses. And, yes, it was kind of rinse and repeat – um, you're never going to find anything you're never they're never going to be given in destiny they're not you're not going to be given this great mission where you go and have to do a bunch of things you are ba- they're basically going to say hey go a mile in right and when you get there shoot a bunch of stuff um, and then collect that loot and come back that you've played through all of destiny 2 are there any missions in there that are worthwhile whatsoever or are they just hey go there and shoot something uh, there's there's a lot of them. Um, really? Yeah, and and even in Destiny One, I feel like the the missions were they were fine and like they were enjoyable. They weren't they they boiled down to like, hey, run to this point and like pull out your ghost and scan this thing. Like that was that was every single endpoint to a mission was like, hey, scan this thing and then like you know shoot a bunch of guys. Um, Destiny Two's done a, a great job about like not having you just scan things constantly, but providing other objectives to complete. Um, but I, I guess in Destiny One, like the 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 idea of repetition, because that's what you're supposed to do. Like you're supposed to keep playing these things over and over, so you keep getting those loot drops, so you keep pushing your number higher and higher. In Destiny One, it was it was very confusing because there were numerous different currencies there were numerous different like power levels and attributes light um, level i yeah. never wrap my mind around what the hell it light got, level was it got in the really first tough one. and really confusing and like most most players myself included like i, I just kind of dropped off after a while because i was like i i don't know what's going on i don't care to find out what's yeah. going on like i enjoyed the time i had with it yeah but, like i just i moved on i never um, I, I never felt burned from destiny one and I think it was like six or eight months later where they like took Peter Dinklage out 
and they put another voice character in for whatever that yep. orb thing is that follows you around. The ghost. And they 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 can they say it's vanilla destiny versus the destiny that and that's so weird. That is such a two thousand and four. That is such like the, the the how we live in video games now, where they're like, let's put the game out. We'll just fix it as we go, yeah, and that is just, such a weird proposition to give they to gamers. Just throw out a broken mess, and yeah. then like, oh, we'll fix it later. By by Bungie, and you know, and released by Activision. Activision is the same company that releases Call of Duty every year. Like, there's millions and millions and millions of dollars at stake, and isn't that fascinating that they say, hey, we know that the game isn't finished. Hey, we know that there is a fundamental huge chance that this could tarnish a series that we have planned for the next decade get the game out isn't that such a weird thing to think about and like i'm sure like investors and board members and all that had something to say with like the the pressure yeah the like the suits really kind of pressured that game to come out when it did yeah um but i guess that that too is is maybe the the product of not ever producing an MMO on consoles, not not producing a level of game, you know that that is supposed to serve all these, you know, millions of people online. But I think in Destiny Two, they've they've done a great job of like providing a more streamlined process. Like there's there's the campaign, which which takes you I don't know seven to ten hours. Like I'm not exactly sure. Um, but it's, it, and it's good storytelling throughout that there's cutscenes, there's, there's motivations for why the villains are acting the way they are, like what their intentions are, what you're fighting against. But like, once you're done with the campaign, like there's all these other like side missions and like activities to do that, that still keep you engaged where in the first destiny, like you finish the campaign and then you're just kind of left to run around yeah. almost aimlessly. Yeah. Like there wasn't a Cross whole lot your of, fingers and yeah, hope that you get light gear. There wasn't a whole lot of direction as yeah. to what you're going to. But like I, I think Destiny 2's done a great job of, of keeping that carrot on the end of the like the end of the string on the stick in front of you to to keep you moving forward that that Destiny One kind of lacked. Now, is the same thing gonna happen like uh, a few weeks down the road? Like I am I am hooked right now. Like I am just constantly playing and trying to watch that number go up i'm trying to raise and you that don't number. need me to be hooked yeah, either like i've done like this you are playing I've done this, this by yourself all on my own yeah and that might be the biggest detriment to this is that like i've played it by myself like i haven't got any of my friends involved i haven't got any other people involved. we just involved. keep you down bud yeah like well it's not even that it's just you know the i guess the situation of adult life like that's yeah. just kind of what happens it's, yeah. it's hard to get people together at the same time to, to play video games online but um i i I have played through everything by myself, but I'm still hooked. I'm still looking to push that number higher and higher. And the drops are coming at such a like consistent and regular pace that like it just always keeps me hooked because I always know like the next thing I do, I'm going to get another piece of gear that's going to push that number one slot higher. And then like I'll play another thing after that, whether it's an adventure, a public event, like a patrol. Um, and there's different on top of those which exist in every kind of uh, patrol space there's there's milestones that you're trying to reach and then those give you more gear and like there's there's numerous characters around the world where while you're completing these these objectives and actions you're getting tokens which you then take the tokens and you turn into those characters and those characters give you higher gear so like there's just 
there's so many different ways to go about collecting these things and getting better and better stuff that like it's it's been thoroughly engaging so far to to just keep going after it and keep pushing that light level higher and higher um i think i'm at like 261 currently which is just enough to do the raid but like the raid itself is a six person event and like i've watched it played on twitch so i know it needs to be done and it needs to be a a six person team that is all communicating together that's not me baby yeah everyone's talking and and like communicating about what's like going World on of Warcraft. at what point exactly like you have to be talking like hey i'm on this pad yeah. my protections are about to run out like i got to go back to the center so i can get my protections somebody come fill my pad for me cuz you got to hold down these certain points um but like to get six people together like that if i was in college like this would be it would be easy if I was in high school, this would be easy. I would have friends. Yeah. Like we'd all be have free time at the same time. But as an adult, like I just, I don't think it's going to happen. But regardless of that, like I'm finally able to get into a raid as a single person. Cause they have matchmaking now. Yeah. Destiny one had no matchmaking. If you didn't have six people together as friends, you weren't going to play the raid. You weren't going to experience like the main part of the destiny game. Um, so like that in itself is cool and like I guess I'll try it in the future and hope for the best. I don't I don't have high hopes for completing it, but maybe I will. We'll see. Um, but overall, like I, I think they did a better job of taking the first game and the learnings they had from the first game and applying those to Destiny Two to make it the better experience that it needed to be. While at the same time, I think they did take some missteps and maybe they went too far in one direction and kind of lost a little bit of what made destiny one so great but overall i think destiny two is is like a much better experience than destiny one was i I think we were talking about this before we started recording and one of the first things that you're going to notice is when you get dropped into the world of destiny two it just feels more alive the, the environments don't feel like these kind of circular areas where you're just kind of going and, and going. Like I, one of the first areas you go to is Earth, and it is a destroyed, dilapidated Earth, and it looks absolutely crazy. And you can pull up the map, and you can go to different um, – to different areas and complete different missions. Now they kind of had that in in the first one, but it was in nowhere near as 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 full as it is yeah, this things, time. Things weren't marked on the map like they are now. Um, you kind of had to either know or like research online as to where to go to, how to complete these things. Um, but now they're they're fully marked on the map. So you, you pull up your map, you look for things happening, and you just go there and you make it happen. A difference between this game is it's much lighter. Uh, there's much more of a focus on kind of silliness and comedy, at least for me, that's what I've noticed. And uh, and it's very much like they really double down on how much people are after loot and stuff like that. Um, so have you played any of the Crucible yet? I, I actually haven't. Um, and it seems like there's a lot of rewards to be had in the Crucible. And you don't actually have to play in those Crucible matches to get those rewards, which yeah. is kind of silly. Um, there's been a lot of reports of people just, How? like, they drop into the matches and then they just sit there AFK or idle. And in the end of the Crucible match, they still get the rewards just because, you know, they were there. 
I which think- is which is really silly and probably I'm I'm sure super frustrating to the people that take the Crucible seriously, which is the PvP multiplayer. But yeah, I mean these this is the company that made Halo that yeah. like popularized console online competitive shooting and why why I, I, I know that they've spent some time on making good game types for us, but I played some of it in the beta. I've played some of it in the full version, and it does nothing for me. It's it's weird. They took a step back, too, and made everything 4v4, where I think it was 5v5 or 6v6 in Destiny 1. But they, they kind of dropped the player count, and I think they, they tightened the maps a little more to make them just a little more focused. But um, I, I guess, I don't know. It just it, It's never it's never spoken to me in the way that halo did where yeah. like when I was running around shooting other people in halo, like I was having the time of my life. Yeah. Like there was something very visceral and yeah. like competitive about being the best at it. Whereas in destiny, like there's a lot of chance and randomness. And I think maybe it has something to do with the, the variance of the different weapon types um, that like maybe this guy has a better scout rifle or assault rifle that, um, it, it just makes it a little easier from the distance he's at or like I just don't have the right equipment which means I haven't played the campaign enough to get the right equipment to be maximized as the, the PvP monster that I want to be um, so that that's a little detrimental to me but I overall like the, the PvE the, the main campaign and story and just, just run around by myself I've had a great time with it. So it, it doesn't need to be a Call of Duty package. You, it doesn't have to be two separate things where it's a campaign and then the multiplayer suite and they throw it at you. It doesn't need to, but at the same time, I think it's great because, like, for me, like, I don't, I don't want that, but I don't have to play it for any reason. Like, there's no reason that I have to go over there and do that to access something. Yeah. But for the people that don't want to do what I do and they just want to play PvP the whole time, like, they can do that. So it's, it's nice that like it's it's varied enough and open to whatever player you want to be okay uh what, what do you think you finished the campaign you're hooked uh what, what kind of score do you want to give it right now I, uh it's it's really tough because it's still early on and like you know weeks later we'll see where i yeah. really stand yeah what are they going to patch into they, are they exactly, going to take like, out the uh, are they going to take out the voice acting for some yeah, of the characters like a year from now it's so bizarre well, that's what happened in destiny one too they changed yeah. the story entirely like yeah. they repackaged the the order of missions to like recreate the story as it should have been told yeah and it's like well you know like i played it months ago like i'm not going to go back in and play yeah. that now to see what you what you actually think um but i like it's it's easily an eight to a nine um i i just go ahead and split the difference and call it a solid eight and a half like it's a it's a great game if you yeah. love shooters you'll love this yeah I, I like i said i didn't i wasn't burned by destiny i i played the vanilla version of it and i was kind of just done and what an exciting thing about destiny 2 was and this is i'm 35 years old you're 33 years old yes sir um I'm kind of getting away from the age where I am playing video games with a lot of other people. And when destiny two was coming out, I was getting texts from some of my buddies that I don't talk to all the time. And they're like, are you getting destiny? Are you getting destiny? So I'm kind of coming back to this kind of world where there's a bunch of dudes that they're going to be on at random times. And I can jump in and do strikes with them. I can jump in and do a co-op with them. And that is just a testament to Bungie and 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 this kind of world that they've delivered and 
I'm excited about it. I haven't finished the campaign yet because I haven't had time to, but I'm excited to to do it. I my fundamental problem is is I don't really care about the loot. I care more about the shooting and 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 kind of the online, you know, playing with other players and stuff like that. But, but Justin, however, there's, there's always a better gun right around yeah, the corner. Yeah, yeah. There's always yeah. a better helmet just right around that corner. Um, yeah, I give the game an 8.5. I it's it's it looks great. Uh, it sounds great, and it is just – it is what Destiny was supposed to be. That is what I feel like. Yeah. And that is what you're going to feel like immediately firing it up is you're going to get through that first kind of – you're going to get through that first kind of introductory mission, and they're going to drop you into the world, and you're going to go, holy crap, there's other people that are running around. It still doesn't hamper the gameplay. The, thinking back like a decade from now, if you were to tell me that I had to play a campaign that other people would be in, I'd be like, I don't want that. I, they're just going to mess things up, but it doesn't work like that in the world of Destiny. Um, so that's it for uh, Afternoon Yap. I give that game a good 8.5. Kyle gives it an 8.5. Um, if you have any emails, questions, queries, quizzes, email us at AfternoonYap uh, at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at at afternoon underscore yap uh kyle good to see you man man great to talk to (laughs) great to talk video games with you bud i'm sure our wives are pissed we said we were supposed to be done about 45 minutes ago and we kept on yapping uh but that's it they're in their house on the other side (laughs) that's it for uh the 42nd episode of afternoon yap kyle you keep it sleazy bud talk to you later see ya